Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the capitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Thavet, the tilt thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being, my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Improverbial. It's a super, super special episode today because Lisa and I and Taylor are not alone here in the studio. We have the world-renowned Joe Sanek here with us. Yes, this I have been, we have been thinking and dreaming about this for months now, and it's yes. happening. I know. So one of the great, one of the, we're psyched about it because, first of all, because we love Joe and he's a good friend of ours, but it's I also, mean, when we, when we say we love Joe, like we love Lorf Joe. Yeah. But even more so, Joe is riding a wave of publicity right now because he has just published um, this fantastic book, Thursday is the New Friday. Joe is, um, he, this book is about how to work fewer hours, how to make more money, how to spend more time doing the things that you love. It examines how the four-day work week and what it, how it boosts creativity and productivity and what sucks about the five-day work week. He's been featured in Forbes, Harvard Business Review, Business Insider, all these great publications, the host of a great podcast, The Practice of the Practice, and also um, The Capitalist. And uh, is the, the Practice of the Practice is one of the, one of the top podcasts uh, in terms of uh, downloads each month in the world. And uh, all kinds of great uh, luminaries have been interviewed on that podcast by Joe. He's about to be um, a massively best-selling author. He's well on his way. And he's also a great friend of ours. And yeah. Yeah, he is a great friend. And full disclosure, um, he's not only a friend, but he's a fellow improviser. He, we, every Wednesday, uh, just have so much fun and do improv together. Uh, so Joe, we could not wait to get you in the studio and have some fun right here. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so Welcome. happy to be here. Like my, my face like, is going to break. Two of my closest friends in the world I get to do a podcast with. It's like, I love when worlds yeah. collide. Yeah. And we, we carpooled this morning together to the studio. <laughs> Which we should have recorded. We should have recorded that We're right gonna, there. I think in, it might be a new podcast. It's a new like, podcast um, called Road Trips in Joe's Truck. Oh, I thought just the tip. But anyway, <laughs> that was one thing that well, we riffed. I actually record everything in my car because I'm such an influencer that I need to have like the backup. So we can wondering just, all that gear. We'll, we'll just what release that, gear that. We'll release those bloopers. Um, but yeah, we were right in there. We were looking. It's a beautiful snowy day and it's one of these with the, there's the sunshine and the roads were relatively clear and we were the three of us just riffing. And we're it's like, like, let's just keep life. rolling. Yeah. Let's keep rolling. Let's keep rolling all the way to Grand Rapids. <sighs> far yeah, away. Leave. <laughs> far, far away. So um, Thursday's New Friday is Joe's new book. Um, and that gave rise to the the um, proverb or saying for this uh, for this episode, which is, of course, thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. It's actually Wednesday, full disclosure. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I lost track of time. See, when Thursday's the new Friday, then it's like, is today now Thursday then? Today is and what happens tomorrow? to Monday? Is, is tomorrow Friday? Like, is Monday Sunday uh, or is it Tuesday? Screwed up the calendar. That's amazing. Um, so thank God it's Friday. Joe, I mean, since you're the expert on days of the week, what do you know about this phrase? Where did it come from? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because you really see in the 1980s and 90s, you know, Friday becoming 
more closely associated with the weekend than with the work week. Uh, I like to say that Friday has been having an affair with the weekend for a long time. So let's just call it what it is and let it move into the weekend. Let's make it official. Let's make it official. Like just cut it off. Uh, but really, I mean, it, you know, in the late 1800s, uh, the average person was working 10 to 14 hours a day, like six to seven days a week. And so they were just, they had a farmer's schedule and they weren't, even the non-farmers were working all the time. And so in 1926, when Henry Ford starts the assembly line, he gives the 40 hour work week to sell more cars to his own employees. Cause he's like, Hey, like if they have a weekend, they're going to go places. Right. If and they're just coming to work every day, they're not going to buy anywhere. a car to get to work faster. Right. They you know? take a streetcar or whatever. Right. Exactly. And so, um, so the idea was we, we can sell more cars if we do the 40 hour work week. And so then, you know, a lot of laws changed in the early 1900s. And um, so we can by, sell more beer if we have a three day weekend. Yeah, seriously. There's actually tons of research oh, that's I'm, emerging I'm, about, great. about especially tourism and, and things like that. Like if we had a three day weekend, just the economic impact of people spending more money. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it's like, you know, the eighties and nineties, we start to see the rise of casual Fridays, wearing jeans to work. Um, people are hosting you know, baby showers, wedding showers at work, you know, with their coworkers. Uh, Why did really, babies really need the a pandemic, shower? Like the pandemic Gosh. just like killed it all. We all were like, wait, all these rules we thought we had, like, mm -hmm. F's that. Like every day is the new Friday. I mean, I don't know if people don't even. With the pandemic. Put pants and on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pajama pants every day, except for like, okay, I'm on a Zoom call. I'll put on a shirt. Oh, it's casual Friday. I'm just going to take it all off. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> Where do you go from pajama pants all week long? I mean, day drinking. <laughs> I guess you could go there. Nice. Uh, you know, your book, I'm really enjoying the book. I already, full disclosure, I didn't get quite all the way through it yet, but I, I've been really enjoying the writing and I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed y'all. Like Thanks. not to say that I, I didn't expect that from you. No, but, a lot of friends are like, you know what? Quite a I, bit I don't of depth say going it, on in but there. <clears throat> it's way better than I thought it would be. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, that's great that my friends had such low expectations for me. <laughs> Well, you know, what do they say? Familiarity breeds contempt. That's a whole yeah. other proverb. Um, yeah. Or a prophet isn't accepted in his homeland. Uh, yeah. I'm writing me like down. Me being the prophet, oh, my homeland <laughs> being Traverse City. <laughs> Here in the homeland. So one of the intriguing thoughts that you brought up is that like Friday is just like a, it's a, it's a whole made up thing. Yeah. Like days of the week is a made up thing. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So the Babylonians several thousand years ago, uh, they looked up and they saw seven major celestial things. They saw the sun, the moon. They looked down, they saw the earth, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, and Mars. And they said, oh, there's seven major things we see. Let's have a seven day week. And so, so is the moon in there? The moon is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they, they could really see the moon yeah. much, much better than those other things. I can see the earth, the sun, and moon best. Okay. And then the other four, <laughs> we didn't not as well. <laughs> Telescopes weren't. Kicking uh, Babylonians. <laughs> yep. Go ahead. But that, that's why they, they had the seven day week. And so you see that that then carries over into, you know, popular culture, you know, because of especially like the Jewish Torah, which was written down in Babylon. Um, and so that whole seven day week there that carries through the Romans, they had a 10 day week. The Egyptians had an eight day week. Even in the 1800s, the Russians tried a five day week. Uh, and so like even just the seven day week is less than 200 years old of being something unified within the globe. What about just a 365 day year instead of dispense with weeks, with days yeah. of the week altogether. And just every day of the, of the year would just be a number. Day two, day 55. I, I'll meet you on, I'll be here on day 57. 
Yeah. Day I mean, it's just as arbitrary. I mean, Absolutely. it is yeah. arbitrary, right? The 365 is not, but otherwise everything yeah. within it, how we're going to divide it's all arbitrary. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, yeah. months are based loosely on the moon cycle. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we're around 28 days, you know, kind of fluxes. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. The moon cycle is based on the menstrual cycle. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's, why, that's, the moon, why, like, that's why the moon came to earth. Was yes, the women's exactly. menstrual cycles actually drive the, 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 the moon's uh, the, orbit. The, the tides. The oh red, yeah. The red I mean, research really supports that. Red tide. Oh, wait. oh my god! <laughs> no, I, actually, we're getting to the you're fiction. In a, you're in an awesome mood today. I love it. <laughs> I had to contribute the women's perspective to this. Actually, we're getting to the fiction part of this podcast. Oh, got, yeah, right? oh, yeah. Sorry we about have to that. keep to the That's facts. not actually true. Yeah. We always that have last to check part. each other. All right. So, anyway, the well, you're come assuming later. that my side isn't like fiction. fiction. I, didn't yeah. 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 I mean, you are fact checking. We trust you. We trust you, Joe. The the lies come later. Okay. Yes. So, so anyway, it is all arbitrary. You say the months have to do with the yeah. moon and slash. Yeah, I mean, our cycle. years, clearly you can't make up the year. You can't make yeah. up the day. You know, that's how long, yeah. you know, but the week is completely arbitrary. Um, but the names of the days of the week, I know that, that like Friday was sort of like Frey day mm-hmm. and Wednesday was like Odin's day, like these no, Norse I, gods and stuff. I thought that was named after the Adams family daughter. It is. Oh, oh uh, well, no, no. <laughs> Lisa, the lies come later. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Lisa and her lies. Lie, lie, She's Lisa. a den of lies over <laughs> So there. let me throw something out that might be, um, I, I don't I don't know if it's contrarian or not, but here, but you know me, I tend to be that way. Um, so doesn't the idea that we need a longer weekend, isn't it kind of predicated on the idea that that work is somehow something to be avoided and that it's unpleasant and you're psyched that it's over? The whole idea of TGIF in the first place is the is like, oh man, work has been a trial and a tribulation all these five days and I'm so glad it's over. But like, isn't that problem really as much about the, I, that work is like a distraction from who you really are or what you really want to be doing as much as it is about what we call the days of the week and what we do on those days? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's one thing that I definitely dig into is how we've overvalued work and undervalued fun and life outside of it. And when we actually slow down and step back, what happens is we're more creative, we're more innovative. Um, you know, if we look at what the industrialists taught us, they taught us that we're machines, we're assembly lines that, you know, there's one box, everyone fits in it. There's one way to do things. It's very prescriptive. And you see that in our school systems, you see that in the way books are written. Here's the five steps to do whatever you're either in or you're out. Whereas kind of new, more modern books would be more like a menu. Here's some things to try, some experiments, see what works for you, whether it's your job or your family to have that adaptability um, versus that one size fits all. Um, so what you're pointing to is completely accurate because like, that's what the industrials taught us. Like, yeah, you got to put up with work. You know, yes, this is a step forward in the evolution of humans to work 40 hours instead of 14 hour days, seven days a week. But like, is that where we end this? Is that the best we can do to say it's an ongoing process? Yeah. Really. Yeah. So I, I hope this book is outdated in 50 years or a hundred years where we like say, they say, oh, duh, of course. Yeah, like yeah. I hope that yeah. this is a next step of evolution right now as the post pandemic generation. Yeah being able to say is 2019 the best we can do for our own mental health, for our own stress and anxiety, or can we do better than that? Can, can we actually think about the problems ahead of us in the next 10 or 20 years and say, we need our most productive, engaged and creative people. And do we get that from being burnt out and stressed out? Like, I don't think so. I think that if we slow down and actually do work that we care about, that will create better outcomes for society. I think things are in flux in another way too, which is that um, I think uh, the, there's this blurring distinction between work and non-work um, in the gig economy yeah. and in remote work and all that stuff. <clears throat> it's like a lot of people don't even really f- uh, sort of schedule their work around weekdays and weekends. They, they'll, they'll do, they'll drive a little Uber here and then they'll do a little 
graphic design on their computer there and they'll go and bartend over here. So there's like a, uh, so it doesn't necessarily matter what day of the week it is for, for folks like that. And in fact, sometimes on a Saturday, that might be when you get most of your Uber rides, you know? So there's kind of, uh, I think from what, what, you, what you're coming at is like an institutional almost, uh, 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 evolution in, uh, the distinct, to the extent that people have lives where they are differentiated into work versus non-work. You're talking about eating a little bit of that work into the non-work part, but I'm saying that the edges of those are all blurring really rapidly and the pandemic has accelerated that. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. And, and where my mind goes to, when you talk about this idea of authenticity, you know, having that be more of your work is around uh, who who you are. So it's not considered work, but your authentic self. I mean, that's a huge lift because that's an overhaul of our education system, right? Absolutely. So yep. it's not about um, educating on what people need to know to do this certain type of work. It would be education about what is your special gift or the thing that you can do so well? And then we're going to be slot that into our world and our society. And I, I mean, and we can think about, of course, I mean, that's like turning a huge ship, right? So that's our lower education, but our university system, which is a huge system as well, that is outdated. And I think we see that and people wanting to make changes and all the ideas are there, but that, that boulder to push I'm in education and it is a huge boulder to push that oh, yeah. everyone I sit around in our staff meetings say, these tests aren't right. This isn't right. And guess what? Let's have meeting after meeting on how we can help to make these scores better. It's just, uh, yeah, well, I mean, one of the case studies I talk about in the book is Kalamazoo Valley community college, this small college in Southwest Michigan, mm-hmm. um, it's amazing what they've done. So there was this HVAC instructor, Ted Forrester, that five years ago just started paying attention in the summer. And, you know, he noticed there's hardly any students on campus on Fridays. And so he went to the roof every Friday and just took a picture of this empty parking lot and saying, we're, we're air conditioning all these buildings for students that aren't here. Went to the board in the fall. And the next summer, they switched to a four-day work week. And since then, so four years ago, they've saved millions of dollars on AC costs. But there's all these other ancillary benefits like student success has gone up because students can come in earlier because there's now flexible work hours where people are, you know, in academic advising at 7 a.m. till 7 or 8 p.m. Because, you know, they're able to flex their schedules differently. Um, People, you know, Michigan snows like nine months out of the year. And so the summer you get a four day work week like they're retaining quality staff. So they don't have that turnover where, you know, it takes nine to 12 months for someone to even get close to being up to speed in most positions. And so there's all these ancillary benefits that you think about education and you say, this can't work. And then KBCC did it. They showed Mm -hmm. that you can do it. They they have a framework. And so I think it's these innovative companies and institutions that say, let's Mm -hmm. experiment. Let's Mm -hmm. see if it works. Let's adjust as we go. And maybe at some point, then we can rein it back in and, and learn from it. Well, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but last night I watched uh, this wonderful film released in 1978 called Thank God It's Friday, starring Jeff Goldblum, Donna Summer, and the Commodores. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The Commodores. Hell, yeah. You guys, this movie, it's like, I'm watching, I'm like thinking this is just going to be like a joke, but I was like, I actually really enjoy this movie. I'm not saying it's it's quality, but it was fun as all get out. And um, you can see why they were psyched that it was Friday because it was all kinds of disco going down. Oh, oh so Friday equated to disco. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It, and the, the the club was called the Zoo in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> the Zoo. <clears throat> there was some ama- some great dance moves, some very very excellent like bell bottom trousers. And I feel and like Donna I need to get a boomerang of you doing some of these dance moves that we can put on social media. Yeah, let's do that. Let's make a note of that. Yeah. I, oh, I got to go change into my, uh, my leather bell bottoms. Uh, <laughs> the, the boomerang of, of P 
Pete, it, yeah, really Pete you did that as part of your research for this uh, program? I actually did, yeah. That's you, why I'm so tired. Whole, I stayed up late. I watched the whole thing. Ouch. I I think think he's, he's dedicated to this crap. Thank God. He's Friday. more dedicated to this than I am. <laughs> you guys got to watch it. Jeff Goldblum, as like a, he's, oh, like this, he's like this kind of slimy club owner guy who's trying right. to hook up with all the ladies. <laughs> and he's like, I just found an ember that has some dinosaur DNA in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he has a precursor to that. Oh, wait, that's a lie. And that's not this part of the podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, we're always doing that. Um, but we're, we're mixing work and pleasure here. Yeah, we are. Of course, we're going to blur the line. Fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. You know Stop walking the line. So, you know, I looked up TJF, which of course is great restaurant. And I'm like, what? They've got some jalapeno poppers that you die for. Comfort food there. And I looked at the history and I thought, oh, what's this going to be like some big corporation? Like, what's going to be interesting about that? It's actually very interesting, this restaurant's history. It started in, when would you guess it started? Probably around 1967. 1965 is why I saw. In New York City, I think Pete went down the same rabbit hole. And this is a guy, a guy. There's a street corner. He 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 had ten thousand, borrowed ten thousand from his mom, started it up. This guy, he started in a neighborhood on the east side of um, Manhattan, where there were a lot of people, stewardesses and models that lived there. And he, um, guys would hang out at bars, but single women at that time would not hang out at bars. The they guys would, would hang out at the zoo. They would hang out the disco zoo at yeah. the Commodores. Yeah. And ladies, though, would tend to have, um, they would go to cocktail parties in somebody's apartment. A, a group of ladies now, like, going out to the bar, like, bachelorette party happens. Back in 1965, ladies so didn't much. go out and hang mm. out. He uh, opened a bar that allowed ladies to go, and he tried to make it like it was a cocktail party. So you got all your red and white striped decor. You got your brass <laughs> That's the kind railings. of cocktail party I love. That's right. It's I know, that, fun. that screams class. <laughs> So he claims it's the first singles bar. Um, and uh, and it was the same year that the birth control pill came out and as well as the feminine mystique came out. So it's the start of. Oh, I mean, the book, the, the famous, the, the famous, the famous book. Uh, yep. The feminine mystique. Mm-hmm. And that was started the sexual revolution. TGIF started at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we know all the franchise and the story, but I did not equate it with. Um, some uh, feminist movement. I never thought that TGIFs was like actually an icon of feminist um, liberation. I never thought that <laughs> either. But guess what? You heard it here. <laughs> so you're saying uh, and this that's is supposedly the, the true part of the podcast. The original singles bar. Huh? That's what he, this guy claims it is. The original oh. singles bar. Somehow I think there are singles bars like <laughs> back the Greek. Wouldn't the Greek temples We've with the, way, the temple baby. virgins like be the original singles bar? I, I, I don't know if those I women were know. there to be or like, oh, I hope I can hook up because they would guy. have so much much turnover in the virgins yeah <laughs> as it were you can only be a virgin once yeah i think yeah tjf definitely now is to do with a family fair and jalapeno poppers welcome back to the second part thanks for sticking around folks and we are so glad because guess who else stuck around pete me you did oh yes joe, oh and joe. Joe. here i am joe hi joe San, Sanak. Joe Sanak. <laughs> hey, we're, trying, we're trying to get the right emphasis on the syllables Sanak. of that. Joe Sanak. Sanak. There you go. Joe, yes. you know. What? You know who else stuck around? Joe Sanak. Joe Sanak good. wasn't here. Joe Sanik was for the first <laughs> one. <laughs> Our audience now is going to have that just engraved in their minds. Yeah, Sanak. This part, I mean, Sanak. you thought the first part was fun, Joe. The second part, you're going to. I don't know. You're going to, you can just retire after this part. Oh. Cause this is going to, oh, 
You, he's already, he he's already so retired. It, well, at least, yeah. I already retired. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it had nothing to do with our podcast, Mm-mm, but, no. um, well, first of all, what folks need to know is this part is sponsored by the incredible Boardman review. We're so thankful for them for allowing us to play during the day, during this, um, Wednesday slash Thursday slash Friday. It's not sponsored by, um, TGIFs, the, um, first ever singles bar. No, it's not. But we're hoping if you're out there, uh, give us, feel free to call us, call me, um, or just find me on Tinder. (laughs) Find Joe on Tinder. (laughs) So, um, Joe, I know you're kind of in awe right now. You're standing before the perverbaton. This is our machine. It is amazing. Yeah. So, you know, we don't allow a lot of people to see this machine. What's your, I gotta be honest. I did not expect it to be so aluminum. Like I, I, I pictured gold, but I know you're a startup. Yeah. Well, yeah. it needed to be utilitarian, but don't you love the way we have that red and white awnings? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really impressive. It's like yeah. way bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, Do you, you hear that a lot. It looks way smaller in my head than it does in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, in case people don't already know. Well, actually, that's just the tip of it. There's a lot more. <laughs> There's a lot that came behind from. it. Tip of the iceberg is what we're referring to. Yes, of course. If, if you call your penis an iceberg. Oh, <laughs> oh Mia, what's going on? Oh man, we, we need I... that explicit rating now. <laughs> Boardman Review is going to second uh, think whether they want to sponsor yeah. us. But anyway, everybody should know that this second part is absolutely balderdash. Yes. Uh, Made we, up, manufactured. We're going to make up all fake, of this. Bogus. There is no facts here at all. Um, and so how this starts, uh, Joe, uh, since you're a virgin to this, we are going to um, push that top button there on the perverbatronic. The top one? Okay. The top one. If you yeah. don't mind, I'll give you a give leg it. up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, there we go. High top. High top. The first word is high top. Uh, Joe, do you mind? Um, now you need to go around back. If you can squeeze okay. through there. Yeah. Open up that hatch. Carl in. I'm so glad I've been planking. Here you go. And okay. turn that knob. Macaroon. Oh, it spits out the second word. The second word is macaroon. Macaroon. Macaroon and high top. This conjures up that old saw. Oof, yeah. Right? And that old saw is this. There's a special room in heaven for high tops and macaroons. You know that one times. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I have a macaroon, I'm thinking, oh man, good thing I'm wearing Mm -hmm. my high tops. Special, (laughs) special room in heaven. That's what I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it's funny because high tops, I think we think of um, more, you know, basketball. Chuck uh, Taylors. Yeah. But high tops were um, a, 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 an attire of the old West. Uh, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Way back then. Yeah. Oh yeah, like they came out with the 1800s Levi's. I mean, that was big during that time. The special cut. The special cut yeah. of Levi's that would accommodate your high top boots, uh, your high top mm-hmm. um, uh, slippers, moccasins. Mm-hmm. I mean, the brothels. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen those paintings. I mean, the brothels. I mean, high tops always with the high tops. Always. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And a lot. Most people don't realize that 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 like the the Converse shoes that that wasn't the beginning of the high top. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, pirates used to wear them. All the way back, you know, even to pirate, to pirate hey, days. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, this one, they fold down at the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That this was is, the first high top. They the high tops. Yeah. 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 Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. And even they used to have it in French. It would say, they, what was that? The French for high tops. Remember? Um, the French for high tops was, uh, oh, man. Well, it was, it was a slang word. It was called des autres coutures. Des autres coutures. Yeah. That's what they used to call oh, them. Man. The pirates did. 
Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the French. That's a little obscure. But sorry, I went off on a tangent. Yeah, no, but don't be sorry. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, we're all trying to. We're all coming yeah, up and no. we're learning new things. We see it. We see it in Europe. Fact. We see it in Asia mm-hmm. and Asia. Yeah. In, in, in ancient China, they had these, it was very unusual because they had these silken high tops that they would wear and they would come all the way up to, to the thighs. Mm-hmm. Um, but the feet part was tiny. Well, they would bind the feet and they would bind the thigh. Yeah. And they, uh, yeah. So it just gets, it would get narrow and narrow and narrow all the way up. That's why they were banned in Peru. I mean, like, yeah. In Machu Picchu, oh, like yeah, yeah. That they were up there right? and it, they totally banned them. Um, like during that time, because hard to walk they were progressive. Trails, they right? were saying, you know, that like oh. the tight thigh they're like for, for women and you know, kids, it was just too much. I Especially thought it was a safety. Like, I mean, I, I didn't know about that, but it's I, my initial thought was it would be like a safety thing. Cause like, you don't want to fall off cliffs and stuff. And yeah. I mean, it was elevations. a social justice issue for the Peruvians at first. Uh-huh. Um, but then, I mean, uh-huh. it started to spread through South America where the band just like, just kind of took off. You know, what about the macaroon part? Well, the macaroon, of course, when we got macaroons, we're thinking, I, I'm thinking colorful little treats, little Yum. sweets. I love them. L- delicious little pastries. Um, French in origin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Macaron. Macaron. Oui. Oui, oui. So good. So good. And you usually get multiple of these in yeah. multiple colors. Mm-hmm. And what do you also get in multiple colors? High, High tops. tops. All different colors. Yeah. So you had this like kind of, dual influence. Mm-hmm. You had the macaroon coming out with now um, like a, like a light green color. And what happens? Mm-hmm. Those high top manufacturers sweep, would sweep in and match that color. Mm-hmm. And there was a really big rivalry between mm-hmm. these two kind of between these patisserie or these um, pastry shops mm-hmm. and the high top fashion industry. Totally. And remember you alluded to it, to the, the West, you know, and those mm-hmm. special, yeah. you know, during the whole gold rush time and the cowboy days, um, it was, you know, just a really popular thing to, to have high time. It wasn't just for, you know, the rarefied elites, like it would be in China or Machu Picchu, it, you know, in the American West, it, it just swept. And, it, it, yeah. And that, I mean, that was where the tension came from because like with the gold rush in like 1849, um, all these like tea drinking, like macaroon eating people mm-hmm. kept moving West and all these high top wearing cowboy types were like, yeah. who are you coming out with your tea parties? And I mean, and then, you know, when like the San Francisco 49ers, when they named it that, like there was so much controversy because of yeah. just that back and forth that between classic. those two different classes. Well, and we think we have culture wars now. I mean, back then oh, the macaroon gosh. folks and the high top folk, high, high top uh, cowboy folks, mm-hmm. that was harsh. It really came to a head uh, at Heaven's Department Store um, in, in San mm-hmm. Francisco. Yep. Mm-hmm. In, in yep down on Embarcadero. That was the first four story building. And that was a big deal back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. And, and department stores were a new thing where they had the part in you know, different parts where they had different products and mm-hmm. for, for sale. And that was, people didn't really even know how to do that. There were, it's, it was mm-hmm. confusing. They didn't know how to find. And you know. kitchens and coffee shops in the department stores. It's yeah. like, Crazy. It was and, crazy. Yeah. And then there you'd have the first floor as you come in, you'd have a beautiful coffee shop. You'd ha- you could get your beautiful, colorful pastries and the cowboys had to trudge their way. They didn't have elevators or escalators. Then those cowboys are trudging their way past that patisserie, that pastry shop mm-hmm. up the stairs, trudging to the fourth floor where they can get their, um, their shit shoes, you know, yeah. well, these are work, work sh- shoes work boots, for them. Yeah. Right. I'm keeping their ankles safe with the high top. And uh, the glares and the looks mm-hmm. and the clash. Well, that's where that's why there's always perfume now in department stores right yeah, there. It started story. with these stinky Absolutely. cowboys walking in. They're like, do you want some perfume? And they're like, no. And like, they would spray them anyway. Yeah. yeah. And it just built this like And that's why anger. you get sprayed anyway when you go through this 
perfume department. Yeah. That's why I always go in through the side door at the mall. Yeah. Yeah. But in any case, one of the other thoughts about having macaroons right there next to the, per, near the perfume, not right by it, because they didn't want the, the macaroons to get that, but you'd walk by the, the perfume, you'd get doused, and then you'd walk past the macaroon department. And the idea there was you'd see the colors, you'd see all the latest colors, because mm-hmm. the idea was like, get these cowboys, try to fleece them while they're in town, when they're, while their pockets are bulging with money because they brought their gold into the exchange. Mm-hmm. And they would go up and they'd be like, oh, I need to get that new, that's, oh looks cerulean blue is the new color or like, mm. you know, teal green or aqua. That it was, was like that psychological warfare where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah, look at that color. Look at that that color. And they don't even know when they then see the high tops mm-hmm. that are that color that they were primed on the way in. Exactly yeah. right. Now, of course we got a hero to our story. So, um, Jeremiah Hors- Horsowitz, um, he really, he could kind of ride both sides of that, right? Mm-hmm. He was a cowboy. He, he was, of course, born into privilege, mm-hmm. uh, but he wanted to be a cowboy. So he really was torn between the first floor and the fourth floor. Well, yeah, I mean, he was the, he was the proprietor of Heaven's Department Store mm-hmm. in San yeah. Francisco, and he had that ability to see into both worlds, and that's why he really knew how to how to exploit uh, the opportunity that arose. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was such a struggle for him when he met Martha. I mean, we all yeah. know that story. It's <laughs> tragic. tragic yeah, story. It's, it's tragic, but I mean, a beautiful start when he uh, made that cowboy song for her. It is that song about macaroons on the range. Yeah, macaroons Martha was on the such range. such a good baker. I mean, I've never, I wish I could have tried her, her stuff. Oh gosh! I mean, but her recipes live on. Macaroons on the range, they will always be the rage. Macaroons on the range, they will always be the rage. Yeah, remember that. Oh, I haven't thought of some macaroons Memory. in so long. Oh, I wonder if we could get them as a sponsor. I don't know. Some macaroons? Yeah. macaroons? Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. We should ask. All right. We'll so, make anyhow. Okay. So, so, the, so, great, so love affair, great love affair. Great love affair. But of course, and that's tragedy. that's why Heaven got oh. famous. Heavens was famous for those macaroons because of Martha's recipe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think the tragedy gave them, like, no one would have wanted it to unfold that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, that's where they got the national media that really, like, I mean, that tragedy them. just catapulted. That's the great word. So it was, it's, un- yeah. it's an unfortunate um, reference, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pete, you're a little insensitive to the to the heirs of Martha and her demise. Well, I don't mean to be insensitive, you know, I mean, because I am a fan fan of Martha and her macaroons. But when that, that day, when they, when they had this idea of a gimmick of having like, you know, buy a pair of high tops, get a dozen macaroons and that the, the famous stampede stampede at heavens. Yeah. Oh, and then the result of it was, you know, the way they reconfigured their store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Jeremiah, I mean, he was torn up, but absolutely. I mean, like he then set up that foundation mm-hmm. and really, I mean, like, you know, he'd have vigils for, you know, mm-hmm. with the macaroon vigils, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. and the high tap macaroon mm-hmm. vigils. Yeah. Oh. So well, anyway, with, you know, that, that stampede, for those of you that don't know, you probably do. It happened on that day when they had that big sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was and, a, a first Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's yeah. actually the origin of Black Friday too, because yeah. it was on it was, a Friday. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
And and the, I mean, the culture warfare, it got to the, it got to the point where um, there was a stampede um, and there was a catapult that was involved. Yeah. Yeah. There was so much blaming too. You know, I know. On, on both sides. No one knows who, where the catapult came from, well, yeah. who mm -hmm. brought it into the store, who, who filled it with macaroons, who, right? Who yeah. filled it? I yeah. mean, that's yeah. still a I mean, mystery. There, there's like the three major witnesses yeah. and, that were interviewed. And mm -hmm. I mean, just recently it was declassified from the government. Did, you didn't, wait, you didn't hear? No. No, they declassified it. They declassified it? They declassified it. it. Was it, it, was it somebody who's related to Martha or yeah, Jeremiah? So, or? I mean, they, they still haven't solved it. They're digging through thousands and thousands of papers and like they just posted it online. Um, oh. But I think the janitor, I don't remember what his and name was. No, it was, the janitor. it was the chief, the chief janitor, There's chief, the chief, chief Tully. Yeah. And then Inspector Bubble. Yep. Okay. And then Sally Carruthers. Those, yeah. are yeah. Those are the three people. Those are the three. A lot yeah. of people think Sally Carruthers might have been the catapult. She had a vested because she, she had the worked compete. up there. She did, but then she also was starting that macaroon business on the side. Yeah, and so there's like tension there. But then the lead janitor, yeah. like there were rumors of an affair with Martha, but it was like, really, was there? And yeah, but then, yeah. I, like, I don't know if we're going to ever solve that. No, but, it's, but it's I mean, Jeremiah has to be a suspect too. But I mean, this was, you know, over a hundred years ago. Like, no, he would have never done that. He loved Martha too much. I, I know. I'm just, so, I'm just saying so what, the facts, what the trolls say. So what happened was the Cowboys yeah. stampeded in because this they heard about this, this sale. Is this is right. what we know. This is what right? we know. It's a fact. They yeah. came in there and, um, and then at the top floor where the macaroons were being sold, they were just overrun with, with cowboys stampeding through the place. And they, cause they had expanded from the first floor macaroons to the, yeah, the that's top why floor. They're now in that's, the so they're floor. on both floors. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then they had to, because it was, well, I, let's just really quickly explicate this, this, the phrase, right? Separate rooms for high tops and macaroons. Right. Because they can't be together because there's too much yeah. demand for these things and too much traffic and the different classes of people that like the macaroons and like the high tops, they got to keep them separate. Hence there's a special room in heavens yeah. for high tops and macaroons. They're separate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we just get that out of the way. Yeah. But the, this catapult thing where there, there were, the theory is that Sally Carruthers was up there and just like needed to get those macaroons out of the building. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's what, that's, that's official a, explanation. That's official that she was trying to get them out of the building. Um, of course, Martha wasn't aware that the catapult was that she was standing right near there. She of course was wearing that scarf famously oh. hooked onto the tip of that catapult famously just the tip. Just the tip. And there that scarf and Martha and flung across. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah. that's why this phrase has this, has like a, it has a, Sad connotation, right? Yeah, don't you think? Yeah. As we say it, that there's a special, special room place. in heaven. Yeah. Room. That's what yeah. you say yeah. when it, when a beautiful person, mm -hmm. right, yeah. a, a, a blameless person, mm -hmm. um, falls victim to an unfortunate and random. Yeah. There's act, a lot to learn right? from from that. Yeah, yeah, it's really sad, but you know, it's it's just this, you know, that's we like when something sad, something bad happens to somebody. You just say, you know, there's a special room in heavens for high tops and, and macaroons. macaroons. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Improverbial. Do you want to improvise with us? You can yes and The Improverbial podcast and be a sponsor. Please reach out to theimproverbial at gmail.com. Yeah.